Praise the Lord. We were sitting in prayer the other night, and uh, as I was praying, uh, the Lord was showing me a um, a prophetic word for the church. And so, as usually the case when I'm praying for a message, I really want the Lord to speak to me. You know, I want the Lord to tell me what He wants me to to deliver to the church. And as I was praying, uh, God took me to Genesis chapter one, verse one which is really a straightforward scripture. And and uh, I was a little surprised, honestly, because that's a creation account. And, you know, why would God take me there? We all know what happened there, right? And uh, how many know God is a God of creation? And uh, He's always creating things new. In fact, He said, Behold, look at you, you're a new creature. You know, all the old things have passed away, and behold, we're a new creature in Christ. And how many know that God is always creating new things in us? And But we have to allow God to change us. We have to allow God to create new things in us. How many ever get tired of the old? It's like, man, I've been struggling with this long enough. I've been struggling with this temper long enough. I've been struggling with lust long enough. I've been struggling with anxiety long enough, and... And all these things that I've been struggling with for so long. And, and God uh, was telling me in my ear that He wants to create things new. And He wants life to begin to be created. And He wants things to happen in your life. And so He took me to this scripture and, and just started speaking it to me. And I've been trying to sort it out all week. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then it says, listen to this, And the Spirit of God was moving upon the waters, or hovering, NIV says, hovering upon the water. So, heaven and the earth was dark, and it was without form, and it was void of anything that had life on it. It was dark. And the Spirit of the Lord is hovering. And the Lord just kept bringing my attention to that, hovering. So I want you to think about your life right now. I want you to think about, pay careful attention to the Holy Spirit's nearness and how He's hovering over each life and wants to do a creative work. And it says in the very next verse, it's almost like the Holy Spirit. Do you see how the Holy Spirit's like waiting to do something? And the only other place that word is used, that hovering, is in Deuteronomy. And it's talking about a mother hen brooding over her nest. Like anticipating that new birth and those eggs to crack open and new birth to be there and be able to nurture them and grow them. And and the Holy Spirit's just like fluttering over void and darkness. And He's just saying, man, I want to... There's a loving... Quality there with that mother fluttering over the nest. And you can just see this energy of the Holy Spirit just fluttering over the top of every human being on the face of the earth, hovering over each one of you. But inside, we're like that mass of void there, that darkness and that void. And the Holy Spirit's just hovering and waiting and wanting to do something creative in your life. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
As soon as God spoke the word, the Spirit of the Lord just began to be the force that caused it to begin to happen. And so the Lord just began to speak to me that night, and, and all week I've been struggling with it and fighting over this word. And by the way, the title of my message is Violent Prayer. I said, man, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound like it should go together because I've always been meek and mild and been taught to believe that prayer is meek and mild. The Lord said, violent prayer. And so here's the Spirit of the Lord hovering. And the Lord began to show separation between light and dark. Like there is a choice in your life of what do I want God to do in my life? Do I want the darkness? Or do I want Him to say, let there be light? Do I want God to begin to create in something new in me? Everywhere the Spirit of God began to move, after that point, life just began to teem in the oceans. You know, it, became, it began to be full of life. You know, the ground began to be fruitful. You know, the trees just began to bear fruit. Herbs, everything that was on the earth just began to have life all of a sudden, a seed in it, and just began to function the way it was supposed to function. And God is just asking you this morning, I need to separate it here. The Spirit is hovering and near, and the question is, what do you want me to do with your life? What are you going to choose to do today? Are you going to choose to go all for the Lord, or are you going to choose darkness? Because whatever it is that you want in your life, that's what will happen. But we have to choose what we want in our life. And so I've been struggling with that word all week, and I don't know what happened, but I got out of prayer Thursday, and I just knew that God was speaking that word, and immediately there was a battle. Immediately there was a war over that word. You know, the fight uh, that ensues sometimes, if you've ministered the Word of God enough, you realize sometimes there's a fight and sometimes there's not, and I don't exactly know why. But I fought and I wrestled over that Word and struggled through it and tried to say, God, what is it? And God just kept leading me to the book of Daniel. And uh, first, before I get to Daniel, let me read this Scripture, a couple of different versions here. Matthew chapter 11 says, John the Baptist is in prison. He got arrested for preaching the gospel. He's in the prison. And he sends some of his uh, disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the one? And he says a real unusual thing when he's talking to them. He says, I tell you the truth, among those born of women... There is none risen greater than John the Baptist, for he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. This is verse 12 of chapter 11. It's been forcefully advancing and forceful men have laid hold of it. Some of your versions say the violent, uh, the kingdom of heaven has suffered much violence and the violent take it by force. 
That one says it's advancing forcefully, and those who are forceful take it. They want it. They like a, there's an energy there to go grab it. Okay, it's using a language here of somebody that let's say that somebody wants to steal something from you, and you've got it in your possession, and you see that person with the possession, and you're the person that's going to steal it from them. And so the only way you're going to get that from them, their possession, is to take it from them. And, and, and what God is saying is, the forceful will take it by force. Something has a hold of what God wants you to have, and the violent will take it by force. They'll recognize that there's a kingdom of heaven, there's something to be lost, something to be won, and there is an enemy that's trying to hold on to it. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and He wants us to go take it from the enemy. He wants us to storm. See, heaven has everything that we need and everything that we want, everything that we desire, every answer to our prayer is in the gates of heaven right now. It's in the throne room of God right now. And the Bible says that there are angels, literally ministering angels, and they literally come down and answer and go back. They ascend and they they descend and ascend from the throne of God. And then what I'm going to be reading today, though, is Daniel's trying to receive one of those promises. And they pull the veil open. They say, what's happening here while he's trying to take hold of it, while he's trying to lay hold of it violently? What's happening here in the heavenlies? And what's happening is, while he's praying, and that angel is delivering the answer that he's trying to lay hold of, Violently, there's a war going on in the heavens. There is a demonic principality that withholds that word from getting there for three weeks. And all of heaven begins to open up and another angelic messenger comes down and begins to fight and that word is finally released and received by Daniel. Now, if that word was a prophecy that said, no longer are the people going to be in bondage anymore. I'm going to set them free. That word was prophesied. Daniel was praying over a promise that was about to happen. He was in the period of time where God was about to release them, and it didn't look like God was about to release them. It didn't look like the Babylonian kingdom was going to end when Daniel was praying, but Daniel had a promise from the book of Jeremiah that said 70 years. After 70 years, you're going to be released from Babylonian captivity. So if it's already been prophesied, why pray for it? Why pray for that if it's already been prophesied? Some people would say, you don't need to pray for it. God's going to do it anyway. God's going to fulfill it. But Daniel didn't do that. Daniel began to pray. He began to storm heaven's gates and said, God, you promised this. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. You promised this though. This is something you said you would do. Something you said you would do uh, on behalf of these people. And he began to repent and began, began to say, God, I'm holding on to this promise. I'm not letting go. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering. And the Spirit of the Lord was ready to move on behalf of that promise. And he kept seeking God and holding on to the promise. And that finally that promise broke through. Because he laid hold of it violently. Do you see the violence that was going on in the heavenlies? In church, we're too meek. 
We're too mild to make war. But God is calling us to learn to pray with force. God's teaching us to learn to pray and not be denied. How many have ever prayed for a promise and you were denied? You were so meek and you were so mild, you began to pray over a promise and you say, God, deliver me from this. And then the enemy came in and began to fight and you were meek and you were mild. And you backed away and you just said, I suppose I have to live with this the rest of my life. And God's saying we need to turn into a people that can make war in the heavens. To people that are persistent and won't be denied. People that understand the Spirit of God is hovering. He's ready to move on our behalf. He's ready to do mighty things. He's ready to, to bring light into a dark world. He's ready to, His Spirit to begin to move upon His people and begin to create life behind everywhere that we walk. Everything that we do, He wants to create new things. But first of all, Daniel and his friends, let me just give you the Cliff Notes version, you can go home and read it. Daniel is a book about basically his lifespan. Okay, this book starts, you first see Daniel, he's like 17 years old. Okay, he's a young man, he could be anywhere from 14 to 20. They speculate he's about 17 though. Okay, by the time the book ends, Daniel's about 90 years old. Okay, so this book covers a long period of time. In fact, he goes through um, three different kings. Two are named, one probably in the middle. He goes through three different kings of Babylon. Uh, he goes through Darius, the, 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 the Median uh, king. And then he also goes through Cyrus. And basically, from the year of about 606, when Jerusalem was invaded... Uh, and the first group was taken away when he was 17. He was taken away as the spoils of war. He, some of the stuff that was in the temple, uh, you'll see it in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. And it goes all the way down till the people were released from bondage under Cyrus. So Daniel covers the whole period of time, which, by the way, may have been the worst time to live. Okay, he may not have had another time that was worse to live than the period he lived in. Think about it. You're 17 years old. The whole world's in front of you. you got all kinds of plans and purposes for your life. Daniel's 17 years old, and the city that he lives in, Jerusalem, is ransacked. It hadn't been destroyed yet. It didn't. They, in fact, uh, when Babylon came in in 606, they didn't want to destroy Jerusalem. They had no desire to destroy Jerusalem. They just wanted to overthrow the government. And it wasn't until almost 20 years later that they actually destroyed it because they kept revolting. And they finally had to put down the revolt and just, we're just going to destroy the city. So Daniel gets taken away. I want you to imagine, you're 17 years old, and let's say we didn't win World War II. Let's say the Germans won that war. I want you to imagine... The city that you live in is literally ransacked by the Germans. You're taken captive and brought to a foreign nation. He basically was taken from Jerusalem, he and his three friends, and they were carried into to Babylon. 
be retrained. So here's what I want to tell you. The separation. The separation. We've been confused about the separation between light and dark. You know, God wants us to be committed to Him. God wants us to be separated for His service. And we've been confused about it. Because there are two extremes, alright? There's the one extreme that's the legalist. And I said, oh, you know, to be separated, that means that we need to add a whole lot more rules than you have right now. We need to add so many rules that if you don't follow those rules, you're not considered holy or separated. And what they've done is take a whole generation of people and put them in bondage. But they never were separated. They never were separated for the purpose of serving God and living for God, doing the things that God wants them to do. They just looked on the outside that they were separated, but they weren't actually doing the work always. Then there's the other group that's antinomianism, and that means we are anti-law. That means God saved me by grace. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. There's nothing that I need to do. And that opens the door for Babylon, which is the world, and you lose your purpose in God. How many know that? I just let everything in my life, I don't have any purpose for God, or I think I've satisfied my purpose because I'm doing all the things on the outside. And God found him a man here. In Daniel 1, chapter 1 through verse 7, they're pulled into Babylon. And what God's trying to show us is, how do I live in the world and fulfill my purpose to God? How do I live in the world and fulfill my purpose to God? How's the Spirit of God who's hovering over me right now, how's He going to move in my life and change the world around me? Now there was a period of time where the church was really corrupt. And a group of people said, man, we're not going to be corrupt anymore. We're going to build monasteries. And they begin to build monasteries for the right reasons. They're going to separate themselves for only holy things. But do you understand that they had a purpose? The purpose wasn't to go take your light and hide it in a monastery. The purpose was to learn how to live in the world and fulfill your purpose that God has for your life. And the monasteries, over a short period of time, became as bad as the church itself. Not what God wants. God wants us to learn to fulfill our purpose in the world that we live in. That means I can't be like the world, and I can't be something different than the world that doesn't have a purpose. So God's trying to fulfill His purpose in our life. So the first thing that happens is Daniel walks in, the first thing they say is, we're going to give you, number one, a new home. Okay, I want you to think about this. No longer can you live in Jerusalem, your hometown. Now you're going to be Babylonian. Babylonian all the way through the Bible is the symbol for worldliness. Do you know that the enemy, the spirit is hovering over each individual near, wants to do mighty things in every life, wants us to be a light to the world, not away from the world and not dark to the world, wants us to be a light. And the enemy comes in like this king and says, I'm going to take the best that they have and we're going to change their identity. Your hometown, you're going to be Babylonian now. 
Can you imagine 17 years old? They take you out of your town that you're from. Now we've got to teach you the culture of the Babylonians. We need to teach you how be- they want to teach them how Babylonian behaves, how he dresses, I walked. They wanted to turn, make them into leaders. They were going to raise up 120 leaders over provinces. And Daniel was one of those leaders, and so was his three friends. So here's what the world's going to do. This is just like we run into. The world wants to bring you in, teach you the culture, teach you how to act, teach you how to dress, teach you how to do everything that the world does. And Daniel said, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. He said, well, we're gonna, first thing we're going to do is we're going to make you Babylonian. Daniel, all the way through his life, he read it in Kings. Uh, Solomon, when he built the temple, uh, talked to them about praying toward Jerusalem. And all of his life, do you know that Daniel would open the curtain toward Jerusalem and he never forgot Jerusalem. Never forgot his hometown. Never left his identity as a as a person who worshiped the living God. And no matter what the world did, in fact, do you know that Daniel's prayer life, because he would open that, he'd leave that window open that faced Jerusalem, because every day he prayed for Jerusalem, even though it was destroyed. Do you know that, that that's what got, caught, got him thrown in the lion's den? He was an old man. And it said from his youth, that's how he prayed since he was a young man. Faithful. He didn't care. He didn't care. Do you, do you see the power of the enemy intimidating this 17-year-old kid. And from the day that he walks in, he says, my hometown is Jerusalem, and I'll never forget her until the day that I die. So what does Jerusalem represent? My heavenly home. I gave up citizenship in this world. This world is not, this world is not my hometown. The Bible says I'm an alien passing through. When, when we get in our prayer life, we should open that window and we should say, Man, I'm praying about my heavenly home. I'm praying about eternal things. I'm praying about being there. I'm not caught up in the things of this world because I'm not from here. But the world tries really hard to give you a new hometown. I mean, you know that. Then they walk in and they say, well, we want to teach you the knowledge of the Babylonians. They want to teach them the astrology. They want to teach them the architecture. They want to teach them the sciences. What's the world do? They're going to get your 17-year-old kids and what are they going to begin to do? They're going to say, well, we need to teach you wisdom of Babylon. We need to teach you the science of Babylon. And you know what? Daniel and his three friends, they were like, nah. No, because uh, everything that I do, I worship the living God and you can kill me if you want to, but I'm going to live for the living God. I'm going to worship the living God. And they would not change. Do you see the separation here? They didn't care if they died. They proved it over and over in the book of Daniel. They don't care if they die. But they will not be part of the world. They're dedicated to God. You say, well, did they wear their hair a certain way? Or did they dress a certain way or this or that? No, they were devoted to God, number one. It wasn't about the outside. It was about, I'm devoted to God. And sometimes that goes to the outside in a major way. I mean, well, that's true. It goes to the outside, but it doesn't start on the outside and go in. It goes from the inside out. And so I'm going to live for God. They tried to give them a new home, tried to give them new knowledge, and they refused it. 
In fact, the Bible says, Psalms 119.89 says, Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands from the heavens. Isaiah 48 says, 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. No, well, the word of God is what I live by. I don't live by the philosophies of this world. But you know, the world will try to make you think like the world. And God's saying, no, you be devoted to me. Be devoted to me. And Daniel had no problem. 17 to 90. It's a book about his faithfulness from the beginning to the end. His faithfulness to God and his love for God. And God was able to do my... I mean, God, that spirit that was hovering was able to produce things in Daniel in the darkest spirit there ever was for Israel. There weren't very many people that could do what Daniel did because he's one of the few that hurt the Lord during that period of time. And that's what we need in this world. How many know darkness is all over the face of the deep? The spirit of the Lord is hovering. He's saying, wellspring. Will you let me create a light in you? Will you let me create life from this church? Will you let me flow from this place? Will you let my word speak through you? Because he can't find very many people. There's not very many people that aren't Babylonian. Not many people that don't live by the culture of the world and live by the world and residents of the world and happily name themselves Babylonian. And you said you were Babylonian. You were really cool. You were the, you were the end. I mean, you were really popular, because that was the superpower of the day. I'm no longer an Israelite. In fact, they didn't want to leave. They liked it so much. They went from being uh, farmers of sheep to shopkeepers. And they were making a fortune in Babylon. But there were some people like, like Daniel that said, you know what? I'm going to live for God, and I don't care if I have a dime to my name. I'm going to serve Him. I don't care if you kill me. I'm going to live for God. And oh, by the way, I'm not Babylonian. I serve the living God. So you go on with Daniel, and then they try to give him new names. Daniel's name, you know, when you name a, your child, you have hopes for him. You have aspirations. You have beliefs that are ingrained in those names a lot of times. <clears throat> Daniel's name meant God is my judge. Hananiah, his friend, name is God is gracious. My... Uh, Mishael, his name means God is without equal, and Azariah, his name means the Lord is my helper. They renamed him. Daniel became Belshazzar. Hananiah became Shadrach. Mishael became uh, Meshach. Azariah became Abednego. Their names mean Bel will protect. This next one means inspired by the sun. The other one means belongs to Aku. And the other one means servant of Nago. They tried to have their false gods. And you know what will happen? The world will try to make you forget about God. And they'll give you new purposes and new plans. Forget about God. And God says, no, I give you a new name. God gives you a name in Him. God, God has plans and purposes for you. And the world wants to put their name on you. You say, well, I want to look like this like the world. I want to look like that like the world. God says, no, my plans and purposes are far bigger than the world. The world will use you and throw you away. God says, I have plans and purposes. And Daniel said, yeah, I'll stay with Daniel. I'll, I'll keep my name. Thank you. But you see, the world is pressing on him. Really trying to change Daniel. Trying to make Daniel like the world. God's saying, no, I've got my hand on you, Daniel. You stay close to me. You stay close to me. In this dark period of time, you stay close to me. 
So in verse 8, it says in Daniel, and this is the center of everything, it says, Daniel resolved... Oh, no, no, I missed one action. I'm sorry. They tried to change his diet. This was the crux of what they were doing. They said, yeah, we've already apportioned food for you, Daniel, and it's the finest meats and it's the finest wines. Daniel, most likely, they think, was a Nazarite, which means he took a vow because it says anybody that wants to set themselves aside to be holy, take a vow not to drink that. And Daniel said, no, I don't want any of the king's wine. He refused to drink. He said, I don't want that food either because that food came from that idolatrous temple. And he said, I don't want that either. You know, he could have died by rejecting that. He said, no, just give me certain things that I eat because this is who I am. Give me that and I'll be healthier than everybody you have within 10 days. In fact, not only were they healthier after the three-year period of training, they were 10 times smarter than everybody they had there, those four boys. And you know, God began to elevate he began to elevate them in the world because they were faithful to God. God began to speak through them. They, 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 they basically unraveled mysteries that nobody else in the kingdom could know because they had a direct line with God. God began to elevate those guys. You know, elevate them to the highest part of the empire. In fact, Daniel is one of the most unusual figures that's ever lived. You know, Daniel became a... The top, he went to the top of the Babylonian Empire, which let's say that a superpower came in and overtook the United States. Daniel would have went to the top of that superpower. That superpower was overthrown, and Daniel went to the top of the next superpower. I mean, he's a very unusual figure. I mean, he was he became a prime minister in Persia who overthrew the Babylonians. So the beginning of his life, he was elevated to the top of the Babylonian Empire. And then when the Persians overthrew the Babylonians, he went to the top of that empire. And God's trying to give us a message. He could have been Belshazzar instead of Daniel. He could have eaten the food like everybody else. You know, He could have taken uh, the name of Babylonian, Daniel the Babylonian. You know, But Daniel decided to be faithful. And his dedication to the Lord... It's almost amazing, and I, and I don't have time to go through it. It's 12.08 here, but as you begin to see Daniel all through his 90 years, there are periods of time that God just blows. I mean, there's not a book that prophetically, maybe Revelation is similar, but prophetically there's no other book like Daniel besides maybe Revelation. And God just begins to, uh, in fact, uh, you see these four guys by the river Tigris. And that's when you begin to see, um, I don't know that Israel ever gets out of bondage if it's not for these men's prayer lives. Because they're sitting by the river and man, there's, there's a war in the heavenlies. I mean, this man prays, an angel comes to deliver the answer to that prayer, and the prince of Persia, a principality, a demonic spirit, is trying to attack Daniel. Trying to attack the word that's coming to Daniel. And then the angel comes, delivers it, said, yeah, we got reinforcements, we, we delivered the word. And then he said, oh yeah, on my way back, now I'm going to have to fight the prince of Greece. Like, Why does God open that up and tell us about the war in the heavenlies? The reason he opens it up is because there are wars that are going on all around us. All around us. And you say, man, you know, I can attack 
leaders in the church. I can attack my fellow brother. I can attack my fellow sister. And what you don't realize is there are principalities that would like to fight each and every one of us. They'd like to come against us. The Bible says you don't battle flesh and blood, but you battle principalities in high places. And God says we need to recognize that. That's why He calls for violent prayer. I want you to get this picture. I want you to see the gates of heaven. I want you to see the meeting place that we have with God. And I want you to see the trip I have to take to get there. I want you to see the enemies of God all around. All around. Fighting me hand and foot. Fighting you hand and foot. And I just want you to witness a man and the woman of God successfully. God says He's going to give us success. I want you to see what God wants us to be, and that is the man and woman of God fighting through every spiritual hindrance, every spiritual distraction, every enemy in high places, fighting through and victoriously walking through that gate and saying, that's mine. You understand there's interference. You can't just mild and meekly say, I'm serving God and everything's just going to be perfect. I'm going to float on a cloud to heaven. God says, no, there's a reason why I dressed you in armor. There's a reason why there's a sword in your hand. There's a reason why there's a breastplate of righteousness. There's a reason why your legs are shod with equipment. There's a reason why your head is covered because of fiery arrows the enemy's going to throw. Church, we're in a battle that we are supposed to win. We're in a battle that we're set up to win. And the Bible says if you're going to win, you've got to pray forcefully. You can't play pray meekly. You can't pray non-persistently. You can't pray non-consistently. We've got to pray consistently. We've got to pray forcefully. We've got to, we've got to go to God's throne and say, God, you promised this. Do that. God wants us to remind Him of His Word. God wants us to hold on to His promises. God wants us to know His Word. And God wants to separate ourselves like Daniel did for a lifetime of prayer. Prayer's where it's at, church. God's raising up a church that will pray. You say, well, I don't know, man. I, I kind of want one of those seeker ones. You know, can't we like give TVs away for the, you know, door prizes and I mean, you can, but, 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 but I'm, I know the Word of God. I want to do battle. I want to win the battle. I want to establish something that's real. You know, they can go have that TV and they can enjoy it and they can say, oh, it was awesome. I want a TV at church. It was so awesome. It was so fun. It was so delightful. God said, no, it's actually a battle. Let's win this thing. Let's get excited about the loot. Okay, there's some spoil that we can win, and that spoils your relatives. Now that darkness being eradicated in a city. You know, revival is an amazing thing if you've ever been in the middle of it. And God's calling us to pray violently. Alright, worship team. Praise the Lord. You'd stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to You, Lord. Lord, You know what Your call is for this church, Lord. Lord, we're persistently and consistently moving in that direction, Lord. Lord, I need Your Spirit in this church, Lord. 
Lord, begin to change hearts, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, against every... Um, Lord, there are a lot of minor things that people hold on to, Lord. Petty things. Petty things, Lord God, that break our unity, break our purpose. Lord, I pray that this church stays unified, Lord God. Lord, knit us together with purpose, Lord. Lord, move us in the direction, Lord God, of a church that wins every battle, Lord God. Lord, overcomes every enemy, tears down every stronghold, Lord God. Let us not be a mild church, Lord, but let us be a victorious church. Lord, I pray that you raise up people, Lord God. All that that light will shine brightly, Lord God. Lord, that your creative power will work through them, Lord. Lord, that when we leave this house, it's more than a good service. It's changing our workplace, Lord. It's changing our homes, Lord God. It's changing even our nation, Lord God. Lord, you're raising up the body of Christ, not just Wellspring, the body of Christ, Lord God. Do mighty things, Lord. Praise the Lord. Church, I'm just going to open it up. We're going to sing a little bit here. If you need prayer, I'm going to be up here. Somebody dim those lights down. to cry out to the Lord. God's moving us in a direction as a church. Just, just keep interceding and praying. Praying. We, we need God to do a work in here. We want to fulfill our call before the Lord and that's prayer. Our call is prayer. Hallelujah. Lord, begin to move, Lord. Lord, we can't do it on our own, Lord. Oh, we need you. Lord, we need a move of your spirit, Lord. We need prayer for anything. We're going to be up here. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Lord. I ask you to pour your spirit upon your people. Lord, as they leave, Lord God, I just pray that you continue to work, Lord. Oh, Lord God, continue to grow, Lord God, our appetite, our hunger, our thirst for you, Lord. Lord, do a work in us, Lord God. We want to do all that you've called us to do, Lord. Bless your people in your name we pray. Everybody say amen.